following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Okay. Let's put a record. We got the sun in Phoenix too. 52. Are you ready? Oh yeah. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. This week, we're going to talk about McDonough's quote about possibly trading the number one pick. We had some guys in for some pre-draft workouts. We'll talk about them a little bit, and then we'll finish with the NBA Conference Finals. And then we have a little bit of a tangent to go off on that, dealing with wings versus bigs and what kind of role they would be playing in this series. My name is Charlie Erling. I have savory David McGraw and Dabin Mitch Krumpetich with me. How's it going, fellas? You know, I've been feeling really left out, you know, with all this dab at Mitch Krumpetich. And, you know, even when you're not here, I make sure to say it as well. But, you know, I appreciate the the support of the savory. I'm glad. Um, I'm going to dab and tell me if you can hear it. Tweet at us at Sunny and PHX Pod if you can hear the dab. Okay, you ready? Oh, okay. Yeah. He actually so. just slammed his head on the table. <laughs> I had to edit that out. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, I'm doing well. You can tweet us, definitely. But I want to give a shout out to Blake Larson, who left us a great iTunes review. This is from March 3rd. I don't know why it didn't show up until now, but just got it recently. Um, thanks for the shout out. And he talks about how he likes hearing our takes on how bad Tyler Eulis is. And we love talking about how bad Tyler Eulis is. So thanks Blake Larson for the iTunes review. Go on iTunes, rate five stars, leave a review, and we'll give you a shout out just like that. That's a beautiful thing. And we're all together today in Mitch's apartment, downtown Phoenix. So this is, this is like an official Sunny in Phoenix podcast. We get a few of these in per year and Hopefully soon it happens a little more often. So, As opposed to an unofficial podcast. Well, it, it's official when the three of us are in the same room because I feel like that, that chemistry just really comes to life while we're all here. It is. It's That's true. true. It's true. When I get to see Mitch dab in person, <laughs> it's just a, it's a new ballgame. All right. We'll, talk, we'll start off talking about our GM, Ryan McDonough, saying that it was very unlikely that we would trade that number one pick. We've heard the talk about Cat being a little disgruntled in Minnesota and maybe a number one pick for Cat might be a thing. But it sounds like we're going to keep the pick unless something crazy happens. So right off the bat, let's. what would be crazy enough for you guys to trade the number one pick? What do you think, David? So I've spitballed this a little bit with you guys off mic, and... The one that in my head I would totally do it in a heartbeat is number two in De'Aaron Fox for the one pick. And maybe you say the one pick in like Chris or something. I'm not entirely sure you do it just straight up like that because I'm not sure the Kings... I mean like the Kings aren't going to do it either way, obviously. But like if you're trying to do something where like you kind of even out the scales. And I know Marquise Chris isn't a very positive asset, but 
you know, he is a Sacramento native. He is still a young player, and he has enough time to turn it around. Or if you're getting a guy like either, just like another guy to pair alongside either Aiden or Doncic. And I don't, that's like not really realistic because it's just not going to happen. The Kings aren't going to trade De- De'Aaron Fox. It's just something that I've been spitballing because I think it would be awesome because I like Fox a lot. So if we were to draft, or if we were to trade for Fox, would you still want Doncic, assuming they'd take Aiton number one? Or do you think they'd want Doncic if they got rid of Fox? See, I don't know. I think that it could still go either way. If you have Doncic and say, you know, you you do that, you, you could still run him kind of at the one, or you move him over to that wing spot, and you have, like, three guys on the floor art possibly together or however they do it, where you have Fox, Booker, and Doncic all on the floor. And if anything about the modern NBA has said anything and the teams that are truly elite, they have multiple guys that can, like, shoulder the load, like, by creating and ball handling and stuff. And, and that's how I kind of see that going. Maybe you see something where Doncic plays the one or comes off the bench first to start or something like that. I don't know. I'm... I'm making things up as I go along, kind of, because I would love to see De'Aaron Fox in a Phoenix Suns jersey, and I'm trying to come up with some sort of excuse to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, that would be cool, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other things that I would love that also aren't going to happen are Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis. Those are the two guys that I'd be like, yeah, I'll give you the one pick for that. And you can have Marquise Chris. And you can have hey, you yeah. can have the sixteen pick too. Like, yeah, go for yes. it. Yes, I I would I would give one sixteen and fifty nine for one of those guys. <laughs> would you? I guess I probably would too. <laughs> I guess you can twist my arm about that one. <laughs> but McDonough has said that the only way this would go would be for a young all star type player. We talk about Davis, Cat. Are there any other guys you could think of that? would be worthy so i threw this out here and it wasn't for the one pick but it was some sort of like combination to try and trade for if you got a guy like Doncic, and that's like making a move for an andre drummond type of guy he is a young all-star player he's not worth the one pick but i i mean like you're gonna look for guys that are like either new managements coming in and are willing to kind of trade these pieces or that kind of stuff Arguably, Andre Drummond, uh, as I said, isn't good enough for the one pick. But I, I've kind of thrown that around with you guys too. So, yeah, I'd be down with that. Not for one, like you said, but that'd be cool. Um, I don't. I can't really think of anyone else. Towns or or AD. So if Boston came in and uh-huh. said either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. And, like, maybe not Rozier or maybe Rozier or something for the one Isn't pick. he a free agent, though? No, he's not. He's under – he got drafted only, like, two or three years ago, I oh, thought. okay. Three is, years. Three years. It was, it was the, it was the uh, Booker year because they were trying to trade – he was, like, the 16 pick or something like that in that one, I think. Anyways, it doesn't matter. He's not, he's not a free agent yet. Um, I don't know. I'm just throwing out – Guys that are young, that are arguably all-star players, or one all-star player and one that has been that played, not has been, but did play pretty good in a Eastern Conference Finals environment. That could be something. I, if if you guys 
just asking you guys spitballing here. Hmm. I don't know if there's a wing like like Brown or I don't know. I don't know if I'm interested in that because I have I have too much faith in Jackson and Warren at this point, I think, to take minutes away from them. But Yeah, I I I like both of those guys, Tatum and Brown, mm-hmm. but I think a big reason that they're so successful is that they're on a good team where they're able to thrive and they have great coaching. So I just – I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, with the way that um, um, Jason Tatum played this season. And I, I just think, like, if if he were on the Suns, would he have had this season? And I really don't think he would have. He was set up for so much success in Boston, and he would not have been in that same position in Phoenix. Don't say that publicly around basketball fans, though, because, I mean, I like to say I think Josh Jackson's is going to be a better player than Tatum, and I get I get pooped on every time I say that. Right, right. But, yeah, it's just because Jackson was put in this environment where the head coach got fired three games in, and just chaos, pure chaos at the beginning of this season. And, yeah, he picked it up in the second half, and – People saw how good of a player he was. And actually, this is interesting. I was watching a Josh Jackson highlight video the other day from one of those famous guys down to Buck or whoever it was that I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast watches. And all of the comments were super positive. I didn't expect that, but people were like, this guy's a beast. This guy's going to be really good. I'm like, I'm glad to know that it's not just like us crazy Suns fans who think this. I think there are a lot of crazy Suns fans that think like are taking his first part of a season way too like to heart Mm. and stuff i think i think that's also a thing especially if you ever take the like cotton out of your ears to see nba twitter like that's Mm. just a rough place but there's that i think that a lot of fans a lot of basketball fans saw his body of work in the 20 in the 2018 section of the season because it wasn't just like after All-Star break or anything. It was like basically a couple stinkers here or there, but like his entire 2018 was really solid. So I think he has had that body of work to where people can be like, okay, like he, he was figuring it out. It took him a little bit, but he's going to be good. Right on. Well, let's move into these pre-draft workouts a little bit. We had some guys that might not be projected to get drafted but then there's a few that look like they could be some second-round picks. I'll just run through the names that we had in. We've got Trevon Blewett, Devontae Graham, Trey Holder out of ASU. Then we have Shake Milton, Kendrick Nunn, and Lindell Wigginton. So the, the guys looking to get possibly drafted in the second round are Shake Milton and Devontae Graham. And Graham was the point guard out of Kansas, correct? Correct. So... I could see us really looking at a guy like him, especially with who knows what's going to be happening with the Suns at point guard this year. We have a decision to make on Alfred Payton. We've got Shaquille Harrison there. And our favorite Tyler Eulis is still kicking around. So <laughs> Shout I'm, out Blake Larson. That's right. Thank you, Blake. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I taking a flyer on a guy in the second round, uh, This he was a senior, I believe, so uh, he has a mature game. I could see that maybe working out as a second-round pick. So out of this list, that might be my favorite name. Yeah, I, I've heard of Shake Milton. I've only have heard of him as S. Milton, not or like just Milton. But um, 
the the ones that I've actually seen play are Devontae Graham and Trey Holder because I watched way too many ASU games these last couple of years. Um, I really like Trey. I would love for him to get drafted in the second round. He's not good enough for it, I don't think. Uh, he's undersized. Um, it took him a bit to get going in college. May- maybe, you know, he can do some stuff in summer league or something, but he's probably a G League guy at best. But I, I really like him, and I-, I would think it would be awesome if he did, but he's just not good enough. Uh, Devontae Graham, I think, is a guy... I, I don't think that he's good enough for the NBA, but he is, like, if he's going to get drafted, and he will, it's going to be in the second round just because of what he did at Kansas. So I, I think that possibly taking a flyer on him in, like, the mid to end part of the second round, not the worst idea. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always good for us to work out a few local guys, especially this early. Um You guys pretty much covered it. I I share the same thoughts. Um, Just interesting to see the names that we choose to work out at this point. We're really not that far away from the draft. We're about, what, like three weeks away now. Less than a month. Less than a month, which is crazy. But I feel like it's still super early. And I think about the the other guys that I've seen working out right now and... So far, it's just been guys who I'm like, yeah, they're probably not going to get drafted. I mean, the example I see is Jonathan Williams III from Gonzaga, just because I follow all those Gonzaga guys, and he's the only one who's draft, who declared for the draft this year because he was a senior. And I'm like, yeah, he's not going to get drafted, but he's working out for all these random teams. And it's just cool to see these guys get a shot. And I'm, I am glad, though, that we're working out a few point guards, so then when we bring Luca in, it'll really give us a, a, like a, a really good, just some other competition to gauge him against. When we bring Luca in. Okay. Well, for a workout. For a workout. Is he going to work out? He'll work out for us, don't Are you, you sure? think? I was just going to ask that. Like, I, don't, I, I don't, think he'll work out for us. I don't know. I think he might just be like a, this is my body of work. Yeah, Euroleague MVP, Final Four MVP. Look at the tape. I don't need to do a workout. Didn't he say he'd work out for whoever had the number one pick? I'm not sure. I, feel I, like know, I, I know, like somewhere. him and Aiton both said they weren't going to the combine. That, yeah, and I know well, that's which that's is completely, completely understandable, and that, that's completely different than the pre-draft workouts. But I'm trying to remember from even last year. Like, did we bring in Josh Jackson for a? Yeah, we had Josh Jackson and Jason Tatum. Okay. And I think we – I don't think we did Lonzo Ball. I think Lonzo Ball – because he refused to do anyone that wasn't the Lakers. Yep. But – Gross. That's just – And we didn't do Markel Fultz, I don't think, because everyone just – everyone knew he was going number one. Yeah. So we did the, like, four or five guys that were around that that could have been there. So I I know we did that for sure. We did Isaac. We did uh, Fox, I'm pretty sure. We did Mm – Oh, and you know what? I think we had Davon Reed in for like two or three pre-draft we did. workouts we separately, did, yeah. and then we ended up taking him. So, so yeah, that's a good point. Keep an eye on these lists that the Suns put out on Instagram. The repeat offenders. Yeah, the guys <laughs> who we work out two, three times. And I know last year there was some talk about this, but it seems like this year we have a lot of guys still in Phoenix and going to these pre-draft workouts and doing a little working out with the guys and I remember hearing Booker running sprints with the guys last year or something like that. Yeah. But I, I, I saw a picture of Marquise Chris, and 
He looks like he's in good shape. That made me really uh-huh. happy to see uh-huh. because in summer league last year he was he was looking pretty chubby. But seeing all these guys here working out with the pre-draft workouts and by themselves, I'm getting excited. Yeah, definitely. David and I were actually talking about this earlier today, and we were saying we saw a lot of comments online about, oh, Marquise Chris looks swole. And it's like, no, he just looks like he's supposed to. (laughs) You're just not used to seeing him like this. He was a different sort of swole (laughs) last year at Summer League. Jared Dudley special. (laughs) (laughs) Veteran leadership. (laughs) Okay, so let's move it on. We'll talk about these conference finals a little bit. The Cavaliers just beat the Celtics game seven, so the Cavs will be heading to the finals again. And then we've got Houston versus Golden State game seven tonight, I believe, if the podcast comes out. Yeah, it's Monday. Monday, Monday Monday night. So we'll, we'll have the finals set then. So let's touch on this a little bit. We won't hit too hard, but the Cavaliers, we've seen LeBron do his thing, and he's a great basketball player. There's not much else to say about it, but can a Cavs team compete with the Rockets or Warriors over a series? No. No? Just straight up no. I mean, I feel like it's just a a repeat of last year. I remember last year around this time I was like, Warriors in five, and I said it during the conference finals, and I'm saying it again now. So, If LeBron couldn't squeak out more than one game with Kyrie Irving on his side last finals, how is he going to squeak out a game with his second best player being Kyle Korver right. against well, either of these teams? How long will Love be out with the concussion? I don't know. I don't like, know, but he, he has these issues a lot. Like, he's had a few concussions now. Like, he's fragile. But have you seen these stats that the Cavs are like better without love on the floor? I mean, they don't use him when he's on the floor. So. Right, right. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a big deal still missing him because he is their second best player. Yeah. Like, I like the analytics stuff, but you can't deny Kevin Love is the second best player on that team. They just, and, like, he gets no post touches. Right. They use him as a six foot eleven or six foot ten or whatever, Kyle Korver. Right. Like I don't think you can blame the guy's numbers for that. Right. right. Do you think Kevin Love could be as good as he was on the Timberwolves if LeBron weren't on the team? Like does he still have that left in the tank? Can he be a machine double double type guy nowadays or is so he like, past that? I, I don't I think that they would try too much to possibly it's really tough to say because like they have no system so i mean like it is a really good possibility that they just start throwing it to kevin love and stuff and telling him to do stuff or guys like um oh my gosh what's his name oh my gosh he's the super inconsistent guy his last name's green gerald green the guy on the calves. Jeff Green. Jeff. Jeff, thank you. I couldn't remember his name. Um, like that he just goes out there and tries to play hero ball, or Jordan Clarkson is put into the lineup and Jordan Clarkson's it up. Like Yeah, I mean I, I agree with what you're saying about the system. I think in the right system Kevin Love could get could approach that Minnesota level, but I don't think he'll ever get there because now he's got age against him and more of these injuries 
it's not his first concussion and like those things repeated concussions are so terrible for these athletes but i do think that if he were running the show and they tailored the system around him like it was in minnesota he can be like that 20 and 10 guy but I don't. I don't think he could be much. But it's not a finals team that right. is centered around Kevin right. Love. Exactly. Like. All right, that, that makes sense. Let's hop into Houston and Golden State, though. Um, Houston really looked like they were going to win that game six without Chris Paul. They were on the road, came out real hot, just hitting threes like machines, and then Clay Thompson catches fire, and the Warriors are the Warriors, and they ran away with that game. So, game seven, with or without Chris Paul, do you think the Rockets can do it? No. No. Not without Chris Paul. They, can't, they might not even be able to do it with Chris Paul, even if he's healthy. The Warriors are too good. Having Steph and KD, just that is overwhelming. And then when Clay plays well, which he, he has not been amazing throughout this whole series. He hasn't been bad, but he hasn't, he hasn't been, been bad, but he hasn't, he hasn't been, been like fire like flame brewer. Clay. Right. And he hasn't been what he's been before. Until but this still, game. yeah. When you go 9 from for 14 from 3, no one is going to be able to stop that. But yeah, I I can I just see Clay playing pretty well and like I don't know if they try to give him more attention, that's not going to work because like then KD has more opportunity to score. Steph has more opportunity to score. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like we went through a whole lot of trouble to just get Cavs versus Warriors again. Which we all which knew. Which we knew was going to happen. knew was going to happen. But yeah, this is, I saw a stat that was like, this is the first time since, I want to say like 79 or something, that both conference finals series have gone seven games. We got to feel good about that. Yeah. At I'm least we got to see that. some long series and didn't get to watch the Cavs walk through or the Warriors walk through and be 100% rested up, no fatigue, ready to play against a team that maybe would be fatigued. fatigued. So I, li- I like how this is setting up, even though it's probably going to be Cavs-Warriors. And we had a close game, Rockets-Warriors. We, right. Like we, what was the final of... Was it game four? It was like 98, 95 or something. Like, that's what we all wanted. And we got it for one game. All right. I want you guys to bring in the, the whole discussion that we've kind of been having over the course of the day. I know you guys have been doing it a little longer than I have been. So someone intro that. Let, let's talk about that. Well, I think the discussion is we've been talking. Mo Bamba has brought this discussion on the importance of wings versus centers or just bigs in general, would you say? Just talking about, like, what what are teams looking for? What are teams going to need in the modern NBA? We know the game has changed over the last 10 or so years. And what like what's important now to the league? And th- so this all started by, we were talking about Mo Bamba and friend of the show at Josh Cran on Twitter. Uh, shout out to the Jostridge. Um... He brought up a point that put Mo Bamba on Warriors, Rockets, Cavs, Celtics. What does he do? Where does he fit on a team like that? And his point was he probably probably would be reduced to just a shot blocker, which that can be valuable for any of those teams. But it, it sparked a little bit of a conversation for David and I. And uh, 
David, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, so I think that you say like shop blocker and stuff, but you look at this like Cavs Warriors series, and yes, like there have been like like stretches where like PJ Tucker is randomly playing center for the Rockets and all this other stuff, but Clint Capella is still getting like minutes, and he's still getting like a lot of a lot of pay, and he's going to be a max contract this off season. Kevon Looney is getting major minutes for the Warriors with Iguodala out. Or even with Iguodala in, he would be off the bench. Like, you replace Kevin Looney with Mo Bamba, and the Warriors aren't going to be like, oh, man, we don't want this. We, we want our Looney guy back. No, they're going to like be like, oh, this is awesome. This is a guy that can, yes, block shots, but like has quick enough feet to not – completely get get dismantled when he gets switched on to a perimeter guy and and he has like hands good enough to catch lobs and you either need to be these weird hybrid guys that you're starting to see more of that can do like a little bit of everything or you need to have like two very specific roles and that's defend and catch lobs and I mean we've seen this like be used in the playoffs i mean you see a guy like rudy gobert who is the most important guy on his team and he has no offensive game he's just so long that he just throws a shot kind of in the general vicinity and then catches it back and puts it in because he can barely he can almost just put it in just standing still or without jumping or anything like you have um you have the centers that i just mentioned i mean like these guys like if the Cavs had if they could throw mo bamba instead of tristan thompson out there like, you're not, they wouldn't complain. So, like, I think that's where you look at it. Like, we're not looking at Mo Bamba and saying, like, oh, man, he's, he's Hashim the beat right now. Like, no one would want him. I think, I think you have to look at this a little bit differently. Like, centers, you kind of pointed out something. You know, you listen to your Lord and Savior, Zach Lowe, and about how, like, the post-up game isn't dead and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, it's not dead. And, yeah, that was over-exaggerated. But, like, it's still very specific. The post-up game isn't dead. I'm pretty sure the only time I see a post-up is when, like, Kevin Durant has a 6'6 guy. And and, and that's why it's very specific. It's never bigs on bigs post-game anymore. It's a lot of guards. It's a lot of wings. That's the whole point. And and that's the point. Like, it's kind of transitioned to this other stuff. The guys that you do have posting up are, like, these really big exceptions when they're bigs. Like, Joel Embiid posts up. Duh. Cat can post up, but they never pass it down to him. Like, which he needs to be posting up more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, that's more of like the conversation about that. Not like, yeah, traditional big men post up is dead. Like, Jaleel Okafor is dead. Thanks, Alex Len. Yeah, the way <laughs> I play basketball when we play pickup games is dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why Mitch never made a big. That's right. <laughs> so, um. A lot of this I agree with, but I just think there should be emphasis on different points. And David has mentioned this quite a few times on the show, that the key to the modern NBA is the wing position. And this gets a little bit into the Aiton Doncic discussion. And I'm very much on the wing side of this. Um, I, I think about... You brought up the point that like Kevon Looney is playing because Iguodala is out. Like, the importance of Andre Iguodala on that team is 
paramount. But Kevon Looney would still be playing big benchmen. Right, that's true. Um, I think the thing with Bamba that just really gets me, I know he's a great defender. His offensive game is so-so. He's got an insane wingspan. You can't deny that. Seven-foot-six wingspan. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to do something for a team. But I, I guess what I see from him is Willie Cauley-Stein, and it scares me. And I, that might be a bad comparison, but that's just what I see. I think that goes into another like conversation, though, that it seems like these bigs that like do actually do well, though, have work ethic. And a lot of bigs like just never had that. And so like it seems like guys like uh, Hassan Whiteside may not have had the best work ethic and now are like got their payday slacked off a little bit. Now can barely see the floor in crunch time in Miami. Whereas these other guys like Joel Embiid, who even though he sat like but like Joel Embiid, work ethic. Rudy Gobert, work ethic. DeAndre Jordan, work ethic. Um DeAndre Ayton DeAndre supposedly Ayton. has great work ethic, winning the gold jersey at the end of the week for, what was it, 18 consecutive weeks for U of A, the the guy who hustles the most. So yeah. that's something I didn't think about, Ayton, so what, I'm, that's great. Yeah, because, I mean, one. the narrative right now is that he's lazy, but he was guarding fours in college and all this other weird stuff with Arizona. But, like, it's this kind of work ethic thing, and I think that's where, like, if you're going to pick a big, you better make sure that, like, you've done your research and know that he's willing to put in the work. Because, yeah, like, the the days of just picking the big because, like, they can, they'll put their back to the basket and go and kind of just rely on that. And, like, that's that's gone. That's over. Right. Something that I think about, though, with bigs is, like, if you have wings, like a wing scorer, you, you're always going to have a guy on your team of similar size and athleticism that can probably at least hang with the wing scorer. But when it comes to bigs, like when we're playing a guy like Joel Embiid who can score from the post and is just a monster of a man, you need someone that can match up with that. You you can't really put a six six guy on him and... That's why I think bigs are still a big part of the game because you need to be able to match up. And sure, when they're when you're playing a team who doesn't have a dominant big man, maybe you don't need to play that guy a ton of minutes if he's not doing anything for you offensively, but there's just always got to be a place for big men in the game. Yeah, I think. and I think there is. I think there's I'm not saying there's I mean, not a place for big men, you know. I just think the the importance has changed and I hate saying this, but like positionless basketball, I really think is a thing. But I think this just kind of goes to show our philosophical differences on the game. And I know I place less emphasis on defense than the rest of you probably. I'm all about offense. And I think there's ways to counter big men with offense and scoring more and pace and those kind of things. But like you still have to figure out how to put a guy on Anthony Davis and him not foul out in six minutes like right. Alex it, Yes, yeah. that's true. But Anthony Davis is such an anomaly. Like, uh, there's not many people doing that. Is he, though? I like, think so. Who else we, is playing like Anthony Davis? Not like him, but, like, good enough to where you still, like, have those issues. We just mentioned Joel Embiid. Like, I, I think that 
there are like these big men that like seem to always kill us. Like, it seems like fifty percent of the games, at least, it seems like, oh, we got killed by this guy because we just don't have anything, and like I that's mean, it. At the same time, though, we get killed by everyone always at all positions. Yeah, like Pat <laughs> Connaughton from the Blazers. Right. It feels like he puts up 35 every time we play the like, Blazers. I mean, just... Ish Smith. Every time we play Ish Smith, he Triple destroys double. us. Triple double Ish Smith. I know. With blocks, even. Yes. <laughs> just kidding. I, I, I just, you know, if it's not like a true center, it's some sort of power forward. Or a guy that is like, you know, like, well, Marcus Aldridge had a great season this year. And, like, you, like, having a guy that is over 6'9", that can consistently guard him and not just get his lunch eaten, like, would be nice since we play them all the time. Anthony Davis, who it seems like we play three to four times a year. Uh, you know, these Eastern guys are only two, but, like, Right. I mean, like, but the Spurs are a great example. LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah, he had a great season. But, like, they had a tough season. Or he, LaMarcus had a great season. The Spurs had a tough season. Still made the playoffs, barely. Oh, yeah, they but, had their best okay. player sitting. Right. So, Kawhi, a wing, the importance of the wing. Now, I know this is different because Kawhi is a top five player and the best defender in the league. Well, maybe Gobert has taken that crown. No. No? Okay. <laughs> It's defensive player of the year, Anthony Davis. Okay. He's a top three defensive player. I think we can all agree on that. I know he makes a huge impact, but I think it's just another example of the importance of a wing to a team, you know? So, I I mentioned this to you guys, and I'm going to say it on the pod. When it comes to Doncic versus Aiton, I, I lean Aiton. I'm leaning Aiton right now. But everything in my head right now is saying that the wing is the most important position in basketball and you can never have enough of those wings to just throw out there throw out there and play and like i'm terrified of passing on Doncic for those reasons mainly but bigs like having a guy that we can throw out there that is six six ten seven foot whatever he is has the physical tools, has that stuff. Probably has the work ethic. Yeah, he was lazy playing college basketball games. So was Ben Simmons. So yeah. was like all these other guys. Like Markel Fultz. Yeah. See how that turned out. <laughs> <laughs> but like Yeah, like you don't want to get hurt playing college basketball and like hurt your future chances right well and so i when we talked about this i compared this to the nfl think about jadavion Clowney. he had one massive hit that went viral and he sat out for a year so he wouldn't get hurt (laughs) and then got drafted was he the number one pick yeah yeah like i'm with you on that with the laziness because yeah everyone said that about ben simmons and even i was like oh ben simmons didn't try in college these guys need to be making the tournament and like ben simmons is incredible yeah. So I think it's a dumb argument, but he's incredible, but he can't shoot a jumper. Right, but they don't need him to, <laughs> which um, everyone knew was going to. I just had to throw that. Yeah, in. this is tough though, because I'm back and forth on Doncic and Aiton. I lean more Doncic for sure, but like, I mean, when you watch Aiton, that body is—he's massive, and yeah. he can still shoot, like so athletic. Oh, what did he shoot from the free throw line? He shot like seventy-four. 
75, something like that, I think. I'm just throwing that off there. It's, I think but, it was like yeah. mid-70s. It's a like. good indicator. That's a really good sign. And we, I mean, when Alex Len and four, approaching 40-year-old Tyson Chandler are your centers, like, we're clamoring for someone like that. Oh, I just don't... I, like, I'm talking myself in circles right now because I can't decide who I want. It's like that fantastic meme on Our Sons right now with Drake and the Aiton with the nah, and then Doncic with the nah, and then Doncic or Aiton with the yeah. Yes. Like, yes. That's, Just, that's how we all feel, and whoever made that is a genius because it, it really hits the nail on the head. But It does. I, I See, last time I was on the pod, I think it was a couple weeks ago, I said I wanted Doncic, but I want to throw a guy out there who's seven feet tall who can move and play defense and do a little scoring too. Like that, we got wings we can throw out there, but there's not a big we can throw out there. So I, I'm just so back and forth over it. Just for, from a 21st. defensive standpoint, if you want to play, if you want to have a good defensive team, you're not going to draft Doncic. You're going to draft Aiden. Look if, at if defense is a priority, you you draft. But it's Aiden. the Suns. A- except for D'Antoni's not our coach anymore. I, except yeah, for the, the Warriors. Name every. Name every top defensive team that doesn't have a big that's just doing work. The Jazz, the Pelicans, the um, Rockets, the like. Al Horford is doing tons of work insane. for Boston. I mean, he did what, this entire was, year. Like he was insane in the playoffs. Yeah, like he stepped up. He looked like All Star, borderline superstar Atlanta Al Horford. This yeah. like mm-hmm. this it was playoffs. great. It was like, great. Dude looked great and like. Joel Embiid. When the Heat were like a couple of years ago, it was when Hassan Whiteside was trying to prove people wrong. Yeah. Like the Clippers, like even though they didn't do well, like they still had some decent defensive stuff, and a lot of that was because of DeAndre Jordan still. Yeah. Like, you look at these top defensive teams, it seems like they always they always have one thing in common. And that's they've got a big that goes out there and sets the tone. And I know that like and I'm not saying, like, oh, a big's going to set the tone. He's going to go put his back to the basket. Uh, you just heard me say all that. You right. just heard me say all that on the spot. That's not what I'm saying. But it seems like they always have someone that goes out there and defensively sets the tone and then just does all the other things that help you win a game. The Spurs are the counterexample, though, unfortunately. They had LaMarcus Aldridge this year as their best player. Right. Yeah. And but they still play was... great defense. Yeah, but... <clears throat> It, it, I still think it's a counterexample, but it's just one. Yeah. Second team all-defense, DeJounte Murray. How about that? Yeah, over guys like... I hate the Spurs so much. Did PJ not make an all-defensive team? Again? PJ didn't. Clay Thompson didn't. Um, uh, Chris Paul didn't. Uh, there were a couple other guys that like didn't do it. They gave it to Murray because of some funky Spurs narrative. Gross. Mm. All right, we're talking about the Spurs. It's time to wrap this thing up. <laughs> Non-sports plug time. We've got Mitch's face-melting minute. We've got David's comic book corner, and I will come up with something random in the middle. Oh, but, Twitter question. Twitter we got a Twitter question. question. That's we gotta how we hit start that off these we now, got, boy. We gotta go. We gotta go with the Twitter I'm question. I'm rusty. All right. Okay, friend of the show, at Josh Cran. Second shout-out of the show. You better thank us on Fortnite later. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that, Cranberry. Yeah. 
He asks, what are your favorite ice cream flavors? Now I'm gonna throw this to David because he brought something up right before we started recording and we just said, save it for the pod. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so when you think favorite ice cream flavors, there are two roads you go. And I'm not talking about, I'm kind of talking about the Rocky Road, but. Ooh, nice. Do you go the OGs, just in general? And like you just talk about like all your favorite ice cream and it's all up to whatever, or do you specifically talk about the OGs and the stuff that changes the game? The game changers of the ice cream world. And now my question is what constitutes a game changer? You've got the pistachio. You've got the Neapolitan with the pistachio instead of like something like that's like the normal Neapolitan. They do that pistachio or they do like a pistachio and a raspberry. You've got the sorbets. Those are ice Sor- creams. Nope. Those Sor- are ice nope. creams. How are they different? They're, How are the they? sorbet is completely fruit, fruit related. Based. Yep. Fruit based. I, I agree with this. I, I, I am taking sorbet out of the question one because I think it's different and two because I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite in anything. It's frozen. It's refreshing. <laughs> And yes, it's it's mainly fruit. Does it have cream? But so cream. It's, it, it's in the name. <laughs> we don't need to get into semantics of names again because sorbet counts. Sorbet okay, counts. Well, I'm not choosing. Well, I'll disagree <laughs> and also respectfully disagree. Sherbert, I I wouldn't say sherbet. those are both ice creams. You buy them in the ice cream aisle. Wait, sherbet and sorbet are the same, right? No, no, not. those are different. What's I don't, the difference? I don't know the difference, <laughs> but I know they're different. I thought sorbet was just the fancy way of saying sherbet. No. no How do you different. spell sherbet? S H E R B E R T. Yes. I sorbet is S O R B E T with a little funky thing up there. Uh, is that how you no. spell sherbet? Yeah. See. All right, we're, we're Googling now, ladies and gentlemen. Look, this, point is, this is where we do our research. Point stand. The point is, we had the, no do- we had the donut conversation. How do you say what ice cream is? Bam. We're, we're, Science, sorbet is an ice cream. We're, no one would choose sorbet as their favorite ice cream. I would. Oh, my oh this yeah. is good. The scoop on sherbet versus Sherbert. Sherbert. Oh, interesting. So it takes out the second R of the equation. Huh. Okay. See, I I say Sherbert. See, and I don't see sorbet anywhere on this page. Yeah, well, those are different things. Okay. Anyway, can we just say what our favorites are? Can you just give us your favorites so we have an example? Watermelon sorbet. (laughs) (laughs) You would. (laughs) You would do that. Watermelon <laughs> sherbet. <laughs> Sorbet. You, it is different, but it is still ice cream. Okay, so that's your game changer, or is that your OG? That's my game changer. What's the OG? My OG. I always go, I always go with the vanilla. I always go a vanilla bean. Nice. You know, that's a little, that's a little game changey, but the vanilla bean's a little dope. If it's coconut ice cream vanilla that takes it to another level that sounds like sherbert you know what <laughs> this is why we needed to have this conversation again coconut we need, ice we need cream. a separate podcast for all of this yeah but <laughs> all right how, how about you what, what do you got um i guess if i'm putting it in david's terms my og favorite flavor is mint chocolate chip nice um i'm a big fan um 
Does cookie dough count as game changer? I think cookie dough is OG. I think cookie dough has been around enough. When you think of ice cream flavors, you think like your baselines, I think, okay. are cookie dough. What about cake batter? Does cake batter I think count cake batter is a game changer. Then I'll then I'll choose cake batter for my game changer. That's a good one. Okay, Ooh, that's or a good peanut one. butter. What, peanut where, butter? Do, where does pe- where does peanut butter fit? Peanut butter ice cream. I don't know if I've ever seen pure peanut butter. Oh, ice it's cream. good. It's good. Oh. I, I think that's a game changer. Then I would. I, I'm just gonna say peanut but peanut butter. <laughs> and how did we say that three or four times without laughing? It's too. What, good. what was the other one I just said? Right now cake, I can't remember. Cake batter. cake batter. Yeah, I'm gonna say those two are a tie. Hold on, before but, you go, I do have to throw out mango ice cream. Oh, that is good. Because ice cream or sherbet? <laughs> Coconut ice cream mango. Boy. <laughs> okay. Uh, specifically, what, what? specifically the mango swirl. Okay. Is top notch. Okay. If you if you can find that mango swirl coconut ice cream, okay. it's like cream of the crop. My favorite is mint chocolate chip. End of story. That's fair enough. So for the OGs, I gotta agree with David. Just the plain old vanilla, vanilla bean. Cause then you can put your toppings on it you if you choose to. But you can eat it plain. I like I like I it both ways. That. I agree with that. But then the game changer, it's nothing too wild, but uh Salted, I feel like I should say Ooh. caramel. Ooh, salted yeah. caramel. Ooh, that's a good choice. That's a good then, game changer. And then there was, I had one and it had little bits of pretzel in it. Oh. <laughs> that was good. So that's the game changer. Salted caramel with a little pretzel in it. No oh, man. See, that's a good game changer. That's a good game changer. Yeah, for sure. I'm not going to go with some fruity sorbet. Oh. <laughs> 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 Save it for the Patreon. Save, Save it yeah. for the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. All right. So. Do we do we go into non-sports? Now we, have now to. we do. We have okay. to. Yeah. <laughs> it it kind of the the question starts the non-sports part of yeah. the podcast, segment. and then we go to the plugs. <laughs> yeah. Call it segment. It sounds yeah. more professional. Ooh, yeah, right. I'm not professional. Well, start her off, David. <laughs> All right. So um, this weekend has been just chock full of stuff to plug. Um, I'll plug the one, and we'll both talk about it, and then Mitch will plug the other, and then we'll probably both talk about it. Yeah. Yep. Hit up Phoenix Comic Fest, formerly Phoenix Comic Con. Um, don't ask me why they did it, because I will go into a rant about San Diego Comic Con and how those... I'm going to stop it. Uh, (laughs) Phoenix Comic Fest. uh, Just really awesome. I love going to these kind of events. There's just so much stuff going on. You get to meet some amazing people, some amazing creators, um, some amazing talent. You get to see great cosplay of stuff. You get to get some, like, things that you normally wouldn't be able to get in either normal stores or, like, some old comics that you don't see all the time in a normal comic shop. It's just really cool. It's a great environment. If you're into any, like, specific TV fandom, movie fandom, like, anything of that sort, you're going to find something that you like at these events. And you're going to probably have a good time. It was a blast. I got to meet a couple different voice actors. One of them, uh, Steve Blum, which you might not know the name, but you've heard his voice. He was Tom, the Toonami guy, like, and he still is. He was a wolf, He was Wolverine in like a, in a bunch of different uh animated stuff he was spike siegel and cowboy bebop just a really awesome guy he was kind of the main one as well as the voice actor for the main character in my hero academia but 
That's more of a personal nerdy thing. Got to meet some great creators for some comics that I love. And even if I didn't have them sign anything, just got to tell them how much I appreciate their work. I love it. It's it's like a Christmas in, in June for me, or May, whatever. Like, it, I just love it, and it was so excited to be able to go and to share that experience. I have one question. Did you wear your Pikachu onesie? <laughs> I didn't. I almost did, because I thought it would have been hilarious. But I told Mitch this, and the reason why I didn't yeah. is because I had this image of my head of going up to these creators and stuff that I love and want to like tell them how much I appreciate it. And the image of me doing that in a Pikachu <laughs> Halloween costume like, was enough to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Did you bring it here, though? No. No. Oh. I know. Um, so I'll give my perspective on this. I'm a bit of an outsider on this, but I've recently learned that I just need to embrace that I have this side to me I went to this because I knew David would want to and I'm like yeah I'm sure it'll be fun I loved it like this thing was dope I saw some insanely awesome cosplays there was a guy who was a shower and it was incredible (laughs) I mean along with like lots of characters that I realize like I really love like Rey from Star Wars lots of Game of Thrones stuff um, lots Bob's of super burgers. Bob's Burgers, yeah, like people cosplaying. Like there are people dressed up as like Disney characters. I was surprised, but like some really cool costumes. Um, love seeing that stuff. Um, I've been playing a lot of D anD. I'll come out and say it publicly now. <laughs> um, I, I was able to get some new metal dice that I'm really excited about. Um, just really cool to walk around and this was my first time ever experiencing anything like this and I like I can't wait for this to come back next year already it was so much fun so it's really funny hearing you say you're not much into this while you have a set of expensive metal die in front of you mm-hmm. I see two packs of magic the gathering cards oh it's on more this than table. two numerous magic cards on the table a pop action figure what else we got on the table? We got Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, I do love Lord of the Rings. Same. Oh, and there's my player's handbook for Dungeons & Dragons. You're, there's a you're comic full book. nerd, man. I know, I know. But this this has not been me for my whole life, I don't think. Well, maybe it has. I'm I'm fully aware of it now, and it's, it's like a little bit of an existential crisis. You're having a coming out party. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what do you have, and then I'll talk about it. You know, I don't, I don't have a ton, but I've, I'm finally moved into my new house, Uptown Phoenix. We're really excited about it. I should be back to regularly recording with you guys, so I'm, I'm just, missed, I'm just yeah. hyped about that. And I'm six miles away from the stick, so when the basketball season comes back around, it'll be a lot easier to get to games, and man, I'm just, I'm just hyped about it. So I'm getting settled in, and... That's all I got, really. I'm just happy. Yeah, it. the new house is great. I'm really excited for you. Um, the second half of what what we did this weekend was we went and saw Chon and Polyphia, and this concert was insane. It was unreal. I've never seen anything like this. These are two of like my favorite bands right now, and just for the past few years, I've, I've really been into Chon since college, and Polyphia I got into a year or two ago, and they're just... These guys are so talented. It's incredible. This stuff is a lot more chill than what I usually listen to, but I'm really getting into this. It's so music theory heavy, but like just insanely melodic at the same time and really catchy. 
a lot of these Polyphia songs are like, what they're doing is very technical, very prog, very um, music theory heavy, like math rock almost, but like it sounds so soothing and catchy and you can sing the melodies still. I, I think that's the downside of a lot of this technical stuff is you can't like sing the melodies and things like that or they don't get stuck in your head as much. Um, but Polyphia and Sean both do that. Just incredibly talented. We got to meet Polyphia. They came down to their merch table after their set, talked to those guys. They were really nice. I got to ask about some of their musical influences, how they make their sound so unique. So um, if you haven't checked out Sean or Polyphia yet, I know I've plugged them multiple times on the show. Just go listen to them. All instrumental stuff, but just really, really impressive guitar work and just one of the best shows that I've ever been to. Yeah, so I actually listened to these guys once Mitch had talked about them a bit, and he was like, hey, these guys are going to be like playing a show, like, you want to come down? And uh, I was like, yeah, sure, like, whatever. And you start listening to it, and you're listening to it, and Mitch almost doesn't really do it justice by trying to, like, describe what kind you of music it is. You can't explain it. You can't explain it. It's, it's basically like, think of a song that has, like, a solo in it. But, like, they took that, like, solo, and we're like, oh, man, this is, like, really cool as, like, adding to it, making it, like, this three, four-minute song. Why don't we just build a song around that and just throw out all the other stuff? Yeah. They make the solo riff the melody. Yeah, like, it's the melody. Like, instead of, like, there being words, like, that is the melody. And, like, when you're thinking about the song, you're thinking about that, like, guitar, like, going on, the guitar, in your head. And, like, that's that's how you think of it. But, like... The out the the like song like listening to them on Spotify does not do these guys justice. No, because like I'm listening to it like on Spotify. I'm listening to it and it's like oh yeah no this like this is cool but like it's a little weird but like whatever. And then you see these guys play and they're just they're amazing musicians. Like this is the mo- like most like musically technical show that like I've ever seen. Like I've not seen like guys just doing this and like going out there for 40 minutes to an hour or whatever and just doing like doing that just back to back to back to back to back Mm -hmm. doing all this great stuff and like especially like polyphia i think polyphia was a little smoother than sean with how they went and like that's not a knock sean was great too like whatever but like i i really really enjoyed they they kind of still have a front man polyphia does it's their bass player he's the one that kind of talks to the crowd in between songs and really funny guy really nice we got really to meet funny, him yeah. like but uh like he's playing bass and when you're listening to this stuff you're like all right so there's all this cool guitar stuff but like there's a bass in there but like whatever then you like are actually like paying attention to the bass and he's doing his own stuff that's like just on another level he's he's slapping he's doing like some like specific stuff like on the bass that just sounds like amazing when you can like actually like separate it yeah he tapped a little bit he did a lot of the popping and slapping um his thing though is he grooves so hard yes and what these guitar players are doing they need that backbone to be able to keep the time and those things and like this guy was so in the pocket it just like you can't help but just sway whenever you listen to it yeah and i will say the other thing really quick is after seeing them live, I listen to them on the record differently. Yeah, 100%. Like, you're thinking about, like, man, this part, like, right here, like, this guitar player is, like, just going up and down, like, 
the neck, like going like from one to like twenty two or whatever, just going up and down like the entire song, and like it's ridiculous. And I think like adding to like trying to describe these guys, you also like well, as I just talked about the bass, like there is this almost like jazzy, funky feel to these guys when they're playing, mm-hmm. and like that adds to the trying to like figure out how to describe them. But like it's amazing, it really is amazing. It is. And yeah, to get a little more music theory, I, I'll keep this short, but they are so proficient in their scalar knowledge. They're, I mean, they're, they're doing these modes that are very similar to jazz. I mean, they're playing like, I mean, I don't even, I can't tell you exactly which one, but like the Dorian or Aeolian or whatever, they know all of these modes, the Phrygian. And so they can just whip out like, okay, I'm going to play this riff that's like Aeolian, like no big deal. And like mess with the scale and play it on four different octaves, but make it a melody. It's, it's tough to explain it, but yeah, very jazzy and just great stuff. I hate to cut in, but should (laughs) should we wrap this thing up? That's it. That's all I got. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you to our friend of the show, Josh Cranberry, for the <laughs> third question now. He's popping them out. We appreciate yeah, it. Four, Anyone else who's listening, feel free to throw us uh, something up on the Twitter, at Sunny and PHX Pod. We'll answer your questions. But, you know, we're not going to ask you to do that to base a whole episode off because that's just cheating, right? Yes. Yeah. You, you we got to do work. You know who I'm talking about. But anyways, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Go Suns.